Good morning, everyone. I'm Thad Lanthrop. I'm the administrative pastor here. I'm glad you all found us here at Quail Summit um, today. Right now, we are smack dab in the middle of our message series that we're calling Identity. Um, throughout this series, we've been taking a, a look at um, how our identity, you know, who we are, it really impacts what we say, what we do, it impacts, you know, all of our life. And so we, we've been looking at how following Jesus provides a new identity that reshapes and redirects um, who we are and, and what we become. And so if you've missed any of the previous messages, I invite you to listen to them online at churchinthevalley.com or you can subscribe to our podcast, Church in the Valley Diamond Bar, um, through the, the podcast uh, service. Today we're, we're going to look at, at how we are built together <clears throat> and how we're building together. Um, following Christ, it, it actually changes the kind of life that we build and it expands the circle of, of people who are included in, in our life. We, we natively um, live for ourselves. If you don't believe me on that one, you can go to our toddler's class, go go check it out. Actually, we might be able to hear them today because they're just right um, right over there. But some of the first words that we we learn are no and mine um, because it's with those two words that we can let the world around us know our desires and what we want. Um, so we learn very early how to how to do how to do that. It's the parents' job to to try to train that out of the, their children. But there's this strong pull for all of our lives to to live for our own selfish desires and what we want, and that that really gets amplified in our culture today. Um, the narrative in in our Western uh, culture, it's really mostly it's. Um, it's individualistic. Uh, I keep to myself. I support myself. I can handle uh, things by myself. Um, it, it's really natural for us to just see life primarily as how, how can I get what I want out of life. There, there's natural kind of shifts in this thinking that happen throughout life. As, as you get older, you start to realize, okay, you know, my family, they're really sacrificing for me. So um, you start to, to think about that more and, and think about, okay, maybe I need to do something, you know, kind to them um, in return. Or um, if you, you get married, uh, you realize all of a sudden that you gotta, there's this other person that you, you need to show consideration um, for. I remember once I was married. There was times where I just made decisions and did things and then realized, oh, wait, I have this other person with me now that I got to consider and, and take care of. Um, having kids is, is another way that will change your perspective. There's lots of life uh, situations that will just change your, your perspective if, as far as just living for myself and, and my desires. You know, we realize experientially that putting others desires above our own, really, that leads to, to better relationships um, over time. But there, there's a similar shift that needs to, to happen when we choose to follow Christ. Um, my life has to shift from my own desires and goals to now include what God's desires and goals are for my life. And that has a real big impact on our identity, that shift it, it has a huge impact on our identity. When I decided to follow Christ, 
He changed my identity right then and there. I became a child of God who was, was now given a new life and a new standard to live by. Yet, that, that wasn't it. It didn't just stop there, um, that I was a child of God and I have this relationship with God. God also connected me to a new spiritual family. When I decided to follow Christ, I, I became a part of the family of God. This is what happens when anyone decides to follow Christ. You're, you're built into something new, and then you build something new with your life. And your life, it, it intersects and connects with a new spiritual family, local church that you're connected and contributing to. So that's why we've called this message, um, Built Together, Building Together. So let's take a look at, at what that means to, to be built together. Um, over the course of this series, we, we've been working through the book of First Peter. And in First Peter, we, we've seen Peter has been, he's been taking us on a, a journey of what a new identity means um, for all of those who follow Christ. In First Peter 2, Peter further provides context of the new identity by describing what, what it means uh, for a Christian to be part of a new people group, the people of God. In the first three verses of, of chapter 2, which we're going to spend our, our time today in chapter 2, Peter explains what it means to be a, a child of God who grows and matures and doesn't um, get sidetracked by our old identity and desires. Uh, then he picks up to describe what God wants to build with all those who follow Christ. First Peter 2, 4, and the first part of 5 says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. After reading these verses, it's easy to think, okay, what, what does that mean? There's a lot of metaphors going on here to describe what, what a Christian is. And so let's break down some of those major statements and take a look um, at what that means for those who, who follow uh, Christ. Come to him. That's the first major statement that, that we see there. As you come to him, when you become a Christian, Jesus Christ becomes your boss, um, your leader. This is turning from your old way of living um, and coming to Jesus is what he's talking um, about generally here. Uh, Romans 6.23 describes um, the, what, what we have earned on our own and the gift that we receive by turning to Christ Jesus. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in this verse, you, you can see the wages of sin is death. You know, to... The, the wages, when you have a wage, you, you earn your wage at work. And what it's talking about here is that we've all sinned. We've all chosen to go our own way. Sin just means that we miss the mark that God has given, um, has given us for, for living. And so we've all sinned, but God um, has given us this gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And Romans 10.9 t- tells us how to um, receive that free gift uh, of eternal life. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
And so to come to, to him, uh, there's a first act of coming to God, and that is acknowledging Jesus is Lord, making him the boss of your life, letting him call the shots on how you're, you're going to live. And if you have any questions uh, about what that means, how, how to become a Christian or anything like that, please mark that on, on your connection card. I, I would love to, to talk with you um, about that. That what we've gone through just now, real briefly, that's the process of initially coming to God. That's the first decision that we make to come to Him. But this passage of Scripture, it's actually what it's describing is something different than just the first time that we make Jesus our Lord and boss. What what Peter is describing is a habitual and personal interaction with with God. When it says, as you come to him, it's describing this continual process of, of coming to God. It's, a, it's the relationship that believers have with God. It's praying, reading the word, the Bible, doing what God says. It's this process, this continual relationship. That's what, as you come to him, is describing here. But Peter doesn't just stop there with that. He goes on to describe a living stone. He calls people who believe in, in Jesus Christ living stones. You know, Peter described Jesus as the living stone. And he describes Christ followers as living stones as well. This is an interesting uh, figure of speech. Um, to use. I've never seen a living stone before. Um, I don't know if you have. I couldn't find any pictures to show on the screen of a living stone. There, there's not. They're, they're rocks. They're just on the ground. They're not going to move or anything. But Peter does this on purpose. He's showing that with Christ, a new foundation is laid for us to build on. He was crucified and died. But he rose again. He was rejected by man. But with God, he is chosen and precious. When we come to him regularly, we are part of this building process. We were dead in our sin, in our independence from God. But now we become living stones as well. We might be rejected by by man like Jesus was. But in God's sight, we're chosen and precious. It's an amazing thing. So what what does this all mean? Well, the the first part of verse 5 describes the living stones being built into a spiritual house. Um, To further extend the metaphor that Peter was using, he puts the stones into a larger context, a spiritual house that is built with living stones. So to, to do this metaphor justice, um, you've you got to kind of in your mind switch out a picture of, of a building being built with bricks and putting people in that building. And there's actually in, in Spain, there's a 200-year-old tradition that happens every year. Um, it's a Catalan tradition of building castells, which are human towers that can reach up to 10 stories high. Take a look at this picture of the human tower. You can see those people are pretty high up there. (laughs) I would not like to partake in that. Um, 
So teams are considered to have been successful if they can build and deconstruct their towers without a fall. So that's a success. <laughs> that would be my definition of success as well. <laughs> Seems like a good standard to go by. Um, so that, that gives you just an image of what a spiritual house built with people um, could, could look like. Now, the spiritual house that Peter is describing, it's not a competition. Uh, Peter wants to, to make it clear that your new identity in Christ is far greater than you might initially think. We are being built up individually as we continually come to God, but it, it doesn't stop there. The individual living stones are being built into the spiritual house um, that he's talking about in, in uh, verse 5. When we're born for the first time, we're born into a family. And the same is true when we're born again, when we make, uh, become a Christian. We are born into God's family. This is now part of, of who we are at, at our core. You know, we, we have brothers and sisters that we didn't have before we became a Christian. To realize the, the benefits of being a member of this family, we must make a radical uh, shift in our thinking. Being a part of God's family, it really should shape the way that, that I live. My life and the lifestyle choices, um, they're either going to build a good reputation for my new family or they're going to tear it down, just like it would for your, your earthly family. A, a Christ follower needs to keep that in mind um, as they approach life, make decisions. Also, if, if I don't participate um, in the family, I miss out on a lot of the good stuff that God wants uh, for me. So I need to join in uh, the, the group and, and help out with what God wants to accomplish through the, the local uh, family. So a, as I mentioned earlier, Peter talks about Christ followers as being a, a spiritual house or a temple. And in the next several verses after he mentions that, there's a list of metaphors um, that give more insight into um, who we are at our core. And so uh, let's take a look at, at what building together looks like. As we have been looking in, at throughout this series, who we are determines what we do. And the Lord gives a, a great deal of guidance um, in this passage for our identity and how it shapes who we are, what we do, what we say. So let's focus on 1 Peter 2, uh, 5 now. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So in this verse, Peter, he's using a lot of Old Testament imagery to explain uh, the Christian's identity. He says that we are to be a, a holy priesthood. You know, what, what, what does that really mean? Well, in, in the Old Testament, a priest is a mediator between God and and people, and, and he represents God to the, the people. So once we follow Christ, we don't need a mediator other than Jesus Christ, who has given us the right to go directly to God. That's what he's saying here. You can go directly to God. You're the holy priesthood. So through Christ, we, we can do that. We can go directly to the God of this universe. The next part of the verse says that we are to offer spiritual sacrifices. You know, what, what does that look like to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God? 
In the Old Testament, a sacrifice was used to atone for sin. And a priest would, would offer the, the sacrifice as the mediator between the people and God. But what the sacrifice being talked about here, what, what the spiritual sacrifice is, is it's really it's Godward activity. If you were to look at the, the original Greek words and pull out the meaning, it's, it's a Godward activity. What that means is it's an action um, that is done with, with a godly perspective. You're putting into practice the Bible. You're doing what, what God wants you to do. And throughout the Bible, you find sacrifices that God wants us to offer uh, him. And when we do, we give God a good reputation um, when we offer these sacrifices. So there's a listening guide in your handout, and on the back of that handout, there's a list of some spiritual uh, sacrifices I wanted to go over this morning with you. The first is praise and thanksgiving. When we praise God and thank him for, for providing for us, it, it's, it's right because we're acknowledging that God is in control and, he, and he's um, taking care of us. It, it also it leaves a, a good aroma uh, around us. It's so common for, for people to complain about what they don't have, um, when we, but when we choose an upbeat attitude of praise and thanks to God, it represents him well. Uh, the next list of spiritual sacrifices there is mercy. Um, God, our Father, is merciful. Mercy means that I don't give you the punishment you deserve. That's what God has done for us by sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. He, he made a way for us to, to not be eternally separated from him. When we show mercy to family, coworkers, friends, and neighbors, Again, God's reputation is bolstered by that. Another spiritual sacrifice, justice, kindness, and humility. To be just is to do what's right by people. Um, that pleases God. Kindness is helping people with their, their goals. That's what it means to, to be kind. So if you show kindness to people throughout the day, you, you build God's reputation by showing others the character of your father. Because God is kind. Way to show kindness might be maybe you help a coworker out with one, some of their responsibilities. Or maybe if you're, you're a parent, you stop what you're doing and play with your kid um, if there's something you don't have to be doing. Or maybe it's helping a neighbor with a project that they have going on. But what you're doing is you're helping them with your goals, even though you're not getting anything out of it necessarily. But God's reputation is bolstered by that. Then humility, it's regarding others as better than yourselves. Humility, it's like a magnet to people, especially when you're working in groups or things. Humility is saying, you know what, I think you, you might have a better way to do, to do this. Pride is saying, I, I know what's right. I'm going to do it my way. That, that pushes people away, where humility is going to bring people in. Um, another spiritual sacrifice is financial gifts for ministry. It, it only makes sense to, to God's people to fund God's work. And when we give to further the, the work of the church or to extend the kingdom, God is in to think that it's by that. You know, spiritual sacrifices, we tend to think that it's all non-tangible things. Um, but spiritual sacrifices can come from tangible um, things as well. You can use your house as a spiritual 
sacrifice and, and including people in it. You can use um, your money to further God's kingdom. That's what that's talking about there. And then uh, the last spiritual sacrifice that we have this morning is just doing good and sharing with others. Uh, no explanation needed there. That one's do good, share with others. These are all sacrifices that please God, and they show us how our identity in Christ translates into just everyday action. Um, it gives us how to live. And 1 Peter 2.9 tells us more about our identity in Christ. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Here's another group of, of metaphors that Peter's using uh, that reveal identity. It says, we're a chosen race. We're a part of a whole new tribe who's chosen to do God's work in the world. That's what that means. It says, we're, we're not only a holy priesthood, but we're royals. We are the sons and daughters of the king of the universe. That's what that's talking about. We are a people for God's own possession. He owns us because he, he made us, and he paid for our redemption. We were his, but needed to be bought back. And he did that through Jesus' death on the cross. And yet these descriptions of us are not to, to puff ourselves up, to make us feel better than others. But these descriptions are to show who God is. How great he is, that he redeemed us. It's not about us, but we're to use this identity that God has given us to build together to help more and more people come to know Christ. That's what this is all about, to proclaim his excellencies. That's what it says in the verse. As God provides for us uh, to do the work that he's given for us to do, and as he blesses us, who we are guides what we say, and we tell others about the difference that God's making for us. That should just flow out of our life, is what's been being talked about right there. First Peter 2, 11 through 12, wraps this all up um, nicely. It says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war, wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Here we see the end goal. To live as God's people in a way that those who don't yet know him see our good deeds and are prepared to glorify him on the, on the day that they meet him. God changes us in the hopes that others will see the changes that are going on and decide to give themselves to follow him as well. We're being built together for the purpose of continuing to, to build up the church by helping more and more people become a part of it. And Easter is really a, a great opportunity um, to build together, to, to do this. It's a natural time in, in our culture where we're celebrating Jesus' resurrection, and people are more open to coming to church um, on Easter. And so there, there's a flyer in your program that I'd just like to highlight um, for you, and it's, a, it's an Easter flyer. 
Um, <clears throat> and since it's a natural time for people to, to come to church, we want to include, to give you all a flyer to invite friends or, or family um, to come to church in the valley uh, on Easter Sunday. Um, it's going to be April 1st. And um, like, uh, like Randy said, it's going to be the second Sunday in our new location. Um, and we're going to have light refreshments, photo spots, um, and gifts for everybody who attends. Gifts for kids, gifts for adults. Um, and so it, it's going to be a really fun time. Um, where we can practice this message, what we're talking about. We can practice building together by inviting our friends and family uh, to come to Easter Sunday, and then when they come, by relating in a way that, that's attractive to people, that they want to come back and be a part of what God's doing at Church in the Valley. And so God has built us together to help people come to know him. And so let, let's make Easter a real great opportunity to do that, include as many people as we can. So as the worship team um, comes back up on stage, uh, I want to invite you to consider <clears throat> taking a, another next step in your growth um, that you might want to take today. So um, will you consider these couple next steps? They're on the, the back of your uh, handout. Uh, they're also on the connection card. That was talked about earlier. The first next step might be to circle the sacrifice above that you want to make this week. Uh, maybe there's a specific sacrifice that we went over that you want to work on this week and, and take. That might be a, a great next step um, to, to, do, uh, to take in response to the message. Or you, you might want to pray for and invite a family member or friend to join us for Easter Sunday. That's, that's another um, next step that you might want to take in response to the, the message today. Let's pray as we continue to worship. Lord, we just thank you so much for today. We thank you for the opportunity to come together uh, and worship you. And um, just thank you for how you uh, have built us. And just pray that you would help us just to come to you continually, um, read your word, apply it to our lives. Um, and that we would work together as a team, this local team that you've brought together, and that we would um, really uh, be able to include more and more people in what's going on here at Church in the Valley, and that people would just see uh, you for, through us as we, uh, as we try to live in line with your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.